welcome to Vineyard KC West podcast. For more information, visit us at vineyardkcwest.com. This morning we're kicking off a new series, uh, and it's, it's, there's five parts dealing with time, and then there's about four or five parts dealing with, with money. And so the whole concept is the idea of margin. So margin is, is that you have, you have something left after you do things. And um, it seems that the two biggest margin stealers in our lives are time and money. Uh, they're talked about quite a bit in Scripture. And so we're going to be very practical about them and just come to them with our real lives. I think a lot of frustrations that maybe we have in life or things that we want to change or, or make different, if we focused in on changing how we handle time and money, we would get freed up in those other areas. So that's what we're going to do today. So um, to start, you may, have, you may have heard about a little girl that one day in her class, uh, the teacher told them to draw something, and, and then they would guess what it is. And so the little girl sits down, and she draws, and she's just, you know, she's got, you know, tongue on the side of the mouth, and she's really going after it, and she's putting all different colors into it, and the teacher says, well, well, what are you, what are you drawing? What are you, what are you making? And she goes, well, I'm drawing God. And the teacher says, well, you may want to choose something else because nobody knows what God looks like. And she thinks on that hard, and then she says, raises her hand and says, teacher, when I get done, they'll know, right? (laughs) And I think that that's our thought as followers of Jesus and as a local church is that when we get done, people are going to know what God looks like. That's the challenge. But it's kind of insurmountable, though. It it seems very hard because it's a challenge because this is what Jesus said of us. Like when people follow him, this is what he said we would be like or be. This is what he said about you. So you may have just woken up this morning and thought you were just you, but this is what Jesus says about you if you're a follower of Jesus today. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, you are the salt of the earth, so, so you preserve things. You keep things so they don't go rotten. You keep things right and tasting good, and, and, and people want what's good in life. That's you, Jesus is saying. When you love one another, people will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He said, you will do the things that he has been doing. And then he said, go into all the world and make disciples. So Jesus, as he describes this life, it's an altogether different life. It's not about doing religion, but it's a, it's a totally different way of living than people understood before Jesus came and did what he did. And he talked about giving people an abundant life. Uh, it's a quality of life. Yes, there's a length and there, it's good, but it's a quality of life unknown by anybody else. It's abundant. It's overflowing. And in this abundant life, uh, we look at that, and you may have received Christ as a teenager like me, or you maybe were born in the church, and, and you came to faith slowly through your childhood, or, or you may still be checking things out. Um, but it's interesting because I think in some ways we think like, okay, I've given my life to Jesus. Everything just works out. But there's this interesting thing where God wants us to co-partner with him and co-create this eternal life with him. He gives it. He's got all of the stuff. 
But the reality is, is now we get to like walk it out with him. And it's through getting to know him and, and listening to him and in and, and obeying him and all of those things. And it also has to do with time and money. It has to do with the simplest of things that we may think are not spiritual. But that's what, we're, that's what a lot of times gets in the way. Uh, so what stands in the way? Um, Bible engagement is the number one catalyst for spiritual growth with no close second. So survey after survey after survey, and a very large one was done in the last several years, that if you spend time reading Scripture, getting in the Bible, it will be the, the just absolute overwhelming largest factor to be able to help you grow spiritually, is if you just spend time in the Bible. But what's the problem, though, is that eight out of ten churchgoers, and this is a study done in Kansas City, wish that they read the Bible more, right? So it's like, yep, we know it. Okay, but we wish we did it. So what's, what's, the, what's the excuse given or what's the reason given for not doing that? It's, and it's ours. We, we have to own it because we're in this crew. But it's, it's the number one barrier to people engaging in the Bible. Survey says, nope, that's not it, is this. Don't have enough time. I don't have enough time, Right? And, and that's how it is with important things. Like, I want to change my life. I want to do something differently. I want to read the Bible, or I, I want to spend time with my kid, or, or I want to have a hobby, or I want to do these things. But it's, a lot of times, it's, I don't have enough time. And yet, all of us are given the same ex- amount of time. Jesus had the same amount of time. Yes, God incarnate, I understand, right? He kind of had a little in as far as how things are done. And yet, the Bible says that he emptied himself so that he walked with us. He had the same challenges, the same temptations, all those things as he walked about. And yet, he never sinned. And he seemed never to be rushed. Like, he'd have a huge crowd. And the disciples are like, yeah, you know, this is it. We got, and, he's, and he's like, all right, guys, I'm checking out. I'm going to go be alone. And he just never seemed hurried. He had a purpose, and he seemed to manage time really well. And so that's what we want to be able to do. We want to be able to manage time well, and we want to be able to, um, you know, we want to really be able to, you know, live life like Jesus. That's what the point is. Um, It's interesting, margin uh, drives and predicts generosity of both time and financial giving, better, better than income level. You would think that, like, if I have margin financially, like, in other words, I make a lot more money, that I would be more generous um, if just because I make more money. That's not the point. It's how I handle the money that I have. So if I make very little, but I handle that well, and I live below my means and handle the way, you know, the way that God intended you to handle money, then I'm actually going to be much more generous. But if I, if I just get a bunch more, I'm just going to handle it the way I did when I had little. So it is with, with time. We want more time. What are we going to do with that time? And so, so what's the problem? The problem that we're going to look at today, there's several as we look at time over the next five weeks, but today we're going to look at crowded loneliness. We're going to look at the problem that, that we have relationships all around us, but, uh, but we really don't necessarily have good relationships. So this is what we're going to do. So this here, okay, um, some of you guys will be able to see this whole time. So this here, okay, is you. All right? Or me, just one of us, right? So what are some, I want you guys to participate. 
what are some relationships um, that, that you have to manage in your life? Like, just, you know, go ahead and speak them out one at a time. Family, okay? All right. That's a W. Okay. What else? What? Play. What? Friends. Okay. School. Who? Strangers, yeah. Neighbors. Okay. Spouse. Okay. All right. And so, I mean, you guys are doing really good. This is a good, are you guys stressed out yet? Right? I mean, but I mean, look at this, right? We have one, two, three, four, five, so, so about eight or nine already, right? But here's the thing. We just look at those. And in reality, so like this is family, right? Well, are you talking about the ones in your home? If they're in your home, are you talking about, you know, Aunt Sally from Pittsburgh, you know? So you have extended family. Um, then, you know, if, you're, if your kids are out of the house, they may live in different cities, different homes, and so you're managing those relationships. Um, and then what about work, right? Um, you've got your department. Uh, then you've got maybe people that work for you, employees or people that you work for or you oversee, all those. Um, and your spouse's work, right? So, so two Christmas parties, right, uh, or holiday parties. Uh, your customers, Okay, yeah, and, and, and that's a challenge, okay? So the studies show that there's actually, um, uh, there's actually, the suburban family manages 35 separate worlds. That, that, that's just kind of the average. And so, so if, if you're like stick figure Steve here, uh, no offense, Steve's, uh, but, but just this is, this is, we'll call him Steve, uh, he has 35 different worlds to manage. And part of, part of the joy of that is that we're very connected today, right? But that's why people say, well, I have all these different ways that I can get, get in touch with people, but I, but I feel like I'm, I can never stay connected. It's because, because you have so many ways to connect with people, you're able to do it, so you're just managing more, right? Like if you just cut off all technology and went somewhere, yeah, and, and just said, I'm, I'm just going to manage numero uno, right? Then you just manage that. Um, but uh, there is another relationship, right? So God, okay? So relationship with God, there's that relationship. Um, so, so as we look at that, you know, there's a problem um, because uh, we end up with linear friendships, okay? So the people in one world don't know the people in other worlds, right? So, so all of these worlds here, typically they don't know each other, right? Isn't that true? You know, your family may not know people at work, but you spend more time with the people at work than you do with your family. Isn't that crazy? A lot of times. Uh, you know, d- down here, your, your spouse may not know the people you go to school with or, you know, your neighbors. You know, your neighbors don't know your friends. They hear about each other. But so you, you don't have connectedness. You have all these lines that, that you go to somebody else and then you, you have the ability to be one person in one world 
and then be another person in, in, in another because the people don't necessarily know each other. And uh, I, I experienced this. One of my friends called me out. We went, to, we went to high school together. We went to college together. And there was one day, and I had started serving as a youth pastor, uh, early 20s, and, and he called me out, and he, he, said, he said, well, you do this with people, and you do this. I said, I said, what are you talking about? I said, I said, I'm doing this over here, and I'm doing this. And he goes, Busick, you've always been this way. So, because he met me, you know, when I was 15 years old. And you, you do this, and you treat people this way. And, and it was like, wow, that's true. Like, what he said was true. And all of a sudden, I realized, like, wow, I'm, I'm being one person here and handling people one way here. And then over here, I'm operating this way. Why is that? And so it was a major shift for my life. But it adds stress if we try to manage all those different worlds. We, it adds stress in those places. So um, we play different roles. And then also, too, think about driving. You know, some of you guys drive quite a bit. Studies show this guy wrote, Robert Putman, wrote Bowling Alone. For every 10 minutes you spend in an automobile, you reduce your available social capacity by 10% for whatever reason. So that's why in Southern California, you know, where, where we've come from, it's just like, you know, you spend like three hours a day in the car or whatever it is, and, you know, you're just like neighbors, hey, yep, you know, if that, you know, press the button, garage door goes up, drive in, it most that, and then it's like people just hanging out, um, just, just not going to do it. There's all kinds of different pressures in our lives. So there's actually a name for this. It's called crowded loneliness. This is what we experience in our lives. It's, it's, it's we're always around people and yet lonely. Um, there's a, uh, George Gallup, he, did, he said this. He did a study and he does polls, the Gallup poll. Uh, he, he had this comment several years ago, maybe about 10 years ago. He said, Americans are the, lone, are the loneliest people on the planet. And you think about that and you say, how, how can that be? You know, how can it be that, that I'm involved in so much? I'm in the midst of a busy, busy life. I have an overcommitted schedule. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly around people. I'm constantly texting people, seeing people, chatting with people, talking with people. I mean, right? I mean, in the Midwest, it's rude not to wave at the person driving by, right? If you're walking or whatever. It's, I mean, we... We, we're in shape now, but when we first moved here, we're like, man, everybody's waving. And, you know, it's so, so how is it that I'm lonely when I'm always waving at people? How is it that I'm, even though I talk to people, I'm lonely? And it's, it's, it's because um, it's not that we have, those relationships aren't meaningful. We're so busy and we're going from place to place that, that they're just not meaningful. And that's what we need is meaningful relationships. Like where something, it really means something. Where my life is truly connected to this other person. This person knows my faults. I, I've offended them. Uh, you know, they've offended me. Like it's a really meaningful relationship. That's what we need. And that's how God created us. Um, this is what God said. Uh, he, he created the heavens and the earth and everything and the animals and, and everything around. And he said, after this day, he, he said it was good. And then there was this day, and he said it was good. And there was this day, and he said it was good. And then he says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now think about it. Similar scenario is that you have the Godhead. You have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perfect community. And when God created man and woman, he said, let them be created in our image. 
so the point of that was is that, is that we would share the image of God, that when people look at us, like the little girl, they would say, that's what God's like. They would see the family resemblance. That's what God's like. But God decided that, that it just wouldn't be one person that would do that, but that it would be at least two. And then those two would have meaningful relationship that would communicate to other people. And so that's the picture that we have. That, I mean, think about it. Adam was hanging out with God. And he would come and walk in the garden, like it says, like in the cool of the day, he would come and be. So think about that. God himself is with you, and God says, it's not good for you to be alone. And it means that God created somebody for Adam, Eve, to be with and to live life with. And it wasn't just about marriage, but it was about the human need for another person. It was a need to have something meaningful between people. But the problem is, is that, is that we are used to just surface level. That's what it does. These, these, these relationships where we have linear friendships, linear lines, is we're used to just surface level. Like I have, if you're in my neighborhood, some of you guys are, um, uh, you know that I have a dirt pile in my driveway. It's been there for two weeks, okay? I've got tarps over it. I'm making it as pretty as I can. But any neighbors that see it, I'm hoping they don't complain to the HOA or that sort of thing, but um, I'm doing the best that I can to move this dirt, um, putting it around my house to, you know, the, it's supposed to slant away from the house for the water and that sort of thing. And, and so I'm just moving this dirt back. But um, it, I'm going slower than I want to. Part of the reason is, is that when I take it away, it's kind of been there for a bit and it's compacted. And, um, and if I go farther down besides the top, it's hard. Like, it, like it's, you have to really get in there and dig. Like, you know, in, in, you know, the back isn't the same as it was 20 years ago and, and the wheelbarrow and I'm trying to get the boys to help but they have sports. And so I don't want to go beyond the surface. So when I do it, I do a little bit. I'm like, that's good, you know, and put a little back there. There's a little bit more. And that's, doesn't that feel like our relationships? It's like, eh, I'm around people. That's good enough. I'm going to go do my thing. I don't need to go beyond the surface any more than that. And that's, that, that's our culture. That's really what the culture tells us. And it's, it speaks to us, oh, we're connected this way and we see each other and we've got all these apps and social media and these things. But the problem is, is it's still just surface level. And it's surface level because of this, because I'm in control, right? If I, you know, I can do social media, I can post something. And if I don't like something, I can delete it or do this or that, or I can unfriend that, or, you know, not fall, you know, all these things. Everything's I'm in control, and that's the message. Go do this. Go be a part of this. But if you don't like that, you can switch over here. But what God decided is he says that we would be in meaningful relationships. Now, here's the thing. You say, well, Cody, I don't want to be in meaningful relationships at work, in meaningful relationships at school. Meaningful. No, we were made for just a few. You don't need dozens but there's just a few, and if we do that, we really thrive. We really thrive in life. And so we as followers of Jesus have to get this because our faith in Jesus, it's not just like, okay, we believe these things, and then I live my life like anybody else. No, there's values that we can learn by the way that God has expressed himself. 
In Romans, it says this. It says that, that God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. We see John 3.16, For God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. So we see that kind of stuff. What do we learn about God? We learn that he communicates in no way a surface-level relationship with us. That The first scripture I shared, that, that while we are still sinners, so he didn't say, get it together, people, and then I'm going to do something for you. But no, I'm going to take care of things. I'm going to lay it all out on the line. I'm going to go deep before you ever do anything. That's how he loves you. That's how he loves me. Or I'm going to do something about this problem. I'm going to do something that, you know, that people are separated from me. I'm going to do something that people are lost. I'm going to make things right between me and them. And he doesn't just say, here's these three things or principles. I know I gave you 10. Let me try three now. Let's see if you can do three and just keep it cool. He doesn't say that. He says, look, I showed you all of these things to draw you to me to show that you you can't do it on your own. So I'm going to lay it all out. I'm going to give you my son. I'm going to sacrifice everything. Give everything and experience pain so that you would know me. There's nothing about that that's surface level. And so if we say that we follow Jesus... We can't, we can't, we can't decide that we're going to live surface-level lives. Like, that's the outplay of our faith because we, 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 we draw in and then we draw out. We absolutely need to do that. You see, when it comes to time, you guys, it's like this. Like, here's what I know. If you didn't have time right now, you wouldn't be alive because you need time to breathe, Right? It takes time to breathe in, and it takes time to breathe out. And so the equivalent is, is in a relationship with God, I need time to get in the Word. I need time to pray. That's the breathing in, right? I need time to sit with Him, hear from Him, walk with Him. And then the breathing out is, I'm going to breathe out what he's put into me. I need time with other people. But if we're satisfied with just kind of, I go to my job, I go here, I do this thing, then we're always going to be frustrated because like, this is cool. Like, I've got a great retirement plan with Jesus, but I'm not really seeing the current benefits. And if we were to be honest, that's how a lot of us feel. Is I've got this belief, and it's cool that like, my eternity's set, it's good because of what he's done, but I don't know how I'm different now. It's this, is that I've got to free myself up for the most important thing, which is that relationship with him, and then free myself up for a few others that I'm living life with and pouring into. That's what it's all about, to not be alone. So what's the solution? So the solution is, is, is to trade lines for a circle. Let's read what, uh, what Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, but that, which leads to a debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
And so a couple of key things here. In verse 15, it says, be very careful. So I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention to what's going on in my life. I'm just not hitting cruise control. And it says, be careful how you live. Not careful like, oh man, like scared, but attentive, intentional. And then in verse 16, making the most of every opportunity. Opportunity translated time. Making the most of all of the time that you have. No one ever said this at the end of their life. I wish I had binged more Netflix. Not a soul. Or I wish I had watched more TV. No, it's always about people. It's always about relationships. It's always about those things. So making the most of all the time that you have. And the word making is this thing of like redeeming back or buying back, getting it back. Because Paul knew, even during this time, that time gets out of control. So there's something that we're supposed to do, that we take control of our time. So making the most of all time, to buy it back, to get it back. So what I want you guys to do is this, is I want to help you guys, um, I want you to tell me, right? So all of this stuff, I've got all these relationships, right? Um, pretty stressful, right? I've got all these relationships like you guys, okay? So... So what, what would you guys tell me to do to get control, like to buy back my time, to get things right, just one at a time? What would you tell me to do if you're a consultant? Prioritize. Okay. What? Patience. What do you mean? Okay. That's good, okay? What else? Intentional, be intentional. What's that? Been trying. <laughs> lean, lean myself out, okay? What, what, what do you mean? What's, what's, what do you mean? Simplify, okay? What else? What's that? Pray. Pray? Okay. And what did somebody see over here? Schedule? Said last week, uh, budget. Wait, pray? Who? No, schedule. Schedule? But did I miss somebody over here? No. Okay. Let some things go. Say la vie, right? Okay. But budget? So budget your time? Okay. Okay. So all of these things, um, if you put them together, they're all very good and they're good stuff. Um, something that would be really good, kind of summing these up, that I think is a good word, is this: is consolidate. Right? Is to take. Right? Those are. That's a lot of what you guys said. It's kind of like, hey, get rid of, lean it out. If you're going to schedule, then you're going to cut things out. Right? If you're going to say no to stuff instead of instead of yes to everything. Simplify. So consolidate. So if you were to consolidate, um, uh, you know, how would we do this? Okay. Um, here's what we want to do. We want to get more people, because remember what we're talking about, we're talking about having meaningful relationships. We want to get more people into your circle who not only know you, but know each other. 
okay? Get more people in your circle that not only know you, but know each other. That's what we want to do. So it's, so it's this. It's, it's this here, right? So there's you. There's Steve again, right? Maybe that's Steve too. Okay? And then it's like this. Right? There's lines going everywhere. Okay, the problem is, is that this is typically how we do it. You, relationship, relationship, and then no relationship on the bottom. And so that's stressful. Because, right, you're always having to explain things, right? Like, uh, I met a couple this morning, and, um, and they moved recently in those things, and so my wife and I were talking to their kids, asking questions and things, and, 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 and I remember, we, we're here just a year, and we have these conversations less, but when you move somewhere new, it is so, um, every relationship is, is it's so tiring because it's so brand new. You don't have any history. You absolutely don't have history. And so you, you're working at absolutely everything. That's part of the fatigue is that we don't have that relationship there. And so, so you try to get more people into a circle instead of having lines um, that, that go about. So um, some other steps. Uh, draw a one-mile radius around your house. And if you live more rural here, you may need to move that out some. And do as much living in that circle as you can. Here, here's some things that, that I've done over time is that typically if, I, if I'm going to go shop at a store for groceries, I'm going to go to the same store. Okay? Even though there's different choices and all that sort of thing, um, I'm going to go to the same store to get that. And I'm typically, typically if I can, is I'm going to, and I learned this from my wife, Michelle, is I'm going to go to the same uh, person checking out. It's amazing what that does. It creates a consistency. It creates a knowing that, that happens there. But you look at it and you say, well, my bestie isn't in this one-mile radius. That's okay, right? But... You know, if you have your best friend over and they live outside of that, invite somebody close to you into that circle. Invite someone into there and, and, and let them live there as well. Um, get into or form a small group with fellow Christians who live within this radius, right? A lot of times if we think like if we're going to meet in a small group and we're going to share about ourselves with other people and we're going to hear from them, we think that like they have to be exactly like us and have the exact same interests. Not true. I've, I've met Christians in, in Thailand, in Burma, in Scotland, in, in, in England, and um, in just all over the world, and there's this amazing thing that happens while we have totally different interests, different socioeconomic, all sorts of things, and if it's centered on Christ, there's this bond. There's this thing that happens. And so the purpose is, is to, is to have fellowship in Christ. And so get into a small group. Be encouraged by that in, in, within that area. And then two, eliminate a few circles. Like that's what you guys were hitting at. Uh, like get rid of a few circles. So um, C.S. Lewis, uh, when he came to America you know, in, the, in the 20th century, he said this, because he just noticed that just America was frantic back then, just our, the frantic pace of our lives. He says, don't be too easily convinced that God really wants you to do all sorts of work you, you needn't do. Each must do his duty in the state of life to which God has called him. What feels like zeal may be only fidgets or even flattering of one's self-importance. By doing what 
one's station and its duties does not demand, one can make oneself less fit for the duties it does. Demand and so commit some injustice. So I'm going to parse this. Is that he's talking, right? He's talking to our minds. He's talking to our hearts. But here's what I know about God. Like if I were to say, let me translate this in what God would maybe do through having somebody like C.S. Lewis say something to us. God misses us. Right? I mean, think about it. You have family that maybe is, lives in another place or friends that you don't see. And you, would miss, you, you miss them. I met, I met a, a family a while back. There was, I think there was 10 siblings, 10 or 12 siblings, and then their spouses and their kids. And both their parents were passed. And so every year, they would throw a party for the parents, right? And they would just go for it. Like, they'd have all the food that they loved, and they, they'd, you know, have presents for each other like the parents would buy. They just did it like they were there, right? But think how much differently that party would be if the parents were really there. Like, if they walked in the door. Like, they could, they could touch them. They could hug them. They could... They could you know, uh, they could see them. See, that's a lot of times what we do with God. Our life is this party in honor of God, and we say we're doing it for him, and we're here, but he's like, hey, I'm here. I'm right here. And here's, don't get me wrong, God roots for you. He loves the things you're doing. He loves when you create something you know, at work and school and, and you're proud of something that you do and you help somebody. He's all of that. But he's like, hey, I'm right here. I want to enjoy it with you. I want to walk with you. And I think that we can talk till we're blue in the face about having meaningful relationships with people. But unless we do that breathing in of receiving God and receiving his love, I think we're going to have a hard time really having meaningful relationships Okay, I'm not saying you can't have meaningful relationships with that relationship with God. What I'm saying is it's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot easier. If I'm one that receives love, what can I do? I can love. If I'm one that receives hope, well, then I'm one that can give hope to other people. And that's what happens with Jesus. We can trade events for more walks and time on the front porch. My wife's been teaching me this for 20 years, Okay. Because I'm more like, what can we accomplish? It's like day off, okay, what things are we going to accomplish? And she's like, can we just chill? Can we just do this? And just be in that time. What I've found is, is that the walks in the front porch, yeah, God's there when you're trying to get the dirt off your driveway and that sort of thing. But he's also there during the walks and in those times as well. So I want to um, do one last thing and, and, and look at this here, Okay. You ever go to the eye doctor? Okay. Not the no relationship part at the bottom, but just look at that. Like that's simply what I'm challenging you to do is like just get a few people in your circle and then try to get relationships with those people. Just, just decide. And it's hard, you guys. It's hard because you may have had that before and, and, and people hurt you or you hurt people. And it's like that's just way too much drama. But it, it's so important. So, so look at that or look at this circle, right? So you go to the eye doctor and they switch it, this or that, this or that, which one's clear? So here you go, there's that, okay, or this. 
That or this? Which one's clearer, right? We, we all want this. And this direct correlation, which is what we started with, is that we are made in the image of God. And as followers of Jesus, just like the little girl that's drawing the thing, it's like, when I get done, they're going to know what God looks like. There's a direct connection to people seeing this versus this. God shines easier through this. And so what would happen if we did this? Here's the exciting thing, is that we're not alone. So there's not all of the 110 churches we're partnering with us for this effort with financial peace and then also this time and margin and money piece. But I think 70 of them plus are, are teaching through um, something similar to this on Sunday morning. How cool is that? Tens of thousands of people. You probably know a few of them. You know, because you, you would probably love that, hey, maybe this circle would be people here. But it doesn't have to be. They may be other people at other churches, or maybe somebody that's not in a church, but it's simplifying that. How cool would that be if Kansas City became a place that we took more walks and sat on the porch more? How cool would it be if, if we had more meaningful relationships? How cool would it be if we just simplified, and just narrowed it down, consolidated, and just sat down into really know, knowing others and being known? I think, it's, I think it's doable, so let's do it. Let's stand together and we're going to worship. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit vineyardkcwest.com.